I think there's some parts of the industry that take itself far too seriously. And let's have fun. Let's build stupid stuff. Let's build creative stuff. Let's just go wild. Tech is really fun when you are building stuff and learning things and making weird websites and doing weird stuff with CSS. Like that's the bottom line. And it doesn't have to be so serious all the time. Hi there, and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today we have Salma Alam Naylor with us, who is a staff developer experience engineer at Netlify. I'm your host, Paul, and today we're going to be talking about content, Twitch, streaming, communicating, and learning about development in the online space we have. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So, Salma, one thing that you communicated over to us before the podcast is you have a very strong Twitch following and you like to make a lot of content and put it out there and educate people and communicate things about code. Like, would you say that kind of wraps up what you do? You're a DevRel and educator? Yeah. Um, so actually, funny story, I'm actually a qualified teacher in the UK. I actually used to teach music in classrooms. So I'm coming from a place of education and being trained in education. And I got into tech about eight, nine years ago, um, switched from teaching. And so I use a lot of what I learned as a teacher in the classroom with a variety of different children aged 11 to 18. I, I use a lot of what I'd learned through that in what I do now in public. And yes, in developer relations and content creation, it's a funny funny phrase to say content creation, because actually the content is the product of the work I do in developer experience. So it's kind of like a byproduct, but also mostly what people see. So I, I guess you could call it that. But yeah, I, I'm a teacher first and foremost, and I, I use that to, to teach people about tech. And the, the biggest, biggest part of my mission is to make tech accessible to as many people as possible and as inclusive as it can be. Right on. And one thing, like if you have, if you're seeing a face of some, a face you don't typically see in a tech setting, uh, you know, we had one TikTok creator come on, the Seattle tech bro, and he was saying like, my, my message is if you're of somebody that, you know, you're not used to seeing your face, go make TikTok videos, go make shorts, because it encourages people from all swaths from everywhere to it's important because we, we have this platform now. That's it. Um, I actually wanted to get into tech from a really early age. Like I was writing code. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was writing code on a Commodore 64 when I was six years old. Uh, and that was in the 90s. It was like 1991. And I wanted to get into tech from then, but I couldn't because we didn't have the internet like we have it today. We didn't have tutorials. We didn't have communities online. And I had no one around me at the time in this small little place I grew up who who was anything remotely re related to tech. And that's why I went the music route. Uh, so it's always something I'd wanted to do. And But like you say, I didn't see anyone around me doing it. And even when I did look into this kind of thing, when I got the internet in my teenage years, it was just people, men doing it, you know, 
that was that was the people that were being talked about, the men that were creating the operating systems and the the foundations of the internet that we know today. I mean, yes, women were very, very involved in it at the beginning, but these aren't the people that were talked about when you when you first kind of start to research this stuff. So I I thought my place wasn't really there and and then I went into music and, and teaching even more. So I guess as part of what I do and and why I do what I do, it's because I want to kind of course correct that a little bit and show people that there's a place for anyone and everyone and, and how much it can improve your lives uh, with what you do. And I think diversity and representation is a huge part of what makes products and applications and other things um, accessible to other people. Because if you just got like one type of person making these products, you're only going to be able to cater for one type of person who are using these products. And diversity is is all around the world and everyone's using tech all around the world. So you, you need that representation and you need different types of people on, on teams and, and building things. You're OG tech person if you're coding on a Commodore back in the 90s. And it took so it took lot lots of time to sort of get back into the field. You were kind of straight away and because one one thing that Kate was mentioning before the podcast is she tossed her first computer when she was six years old, like way back when. So you were you were in the game, but you didn't feel like you could approach it. But yeah, now now you're doing great work. I'm so one thing is looking at your YouTube channel, I was looking at your YouTube shorts and like some of them are trolly. Like you've you posted this one recently and your face was kind of like vibrating in like a pop-out sort of thing, like to music. <laughs> I don't know that got me. And I'm like, this is this is why people are here. Like people people roll up for this stuff and they're like, wow, okay, I don't have to I don't it can be a lot of pish posh sort of with like especially like longer form YouTube videos that I find out there about like day in the life of a programmer and it feels feels very gate kept. Um You're you're so right. And at the end of the day, it's just a job. It's just code. And I think there's some parts of the industry that take itself far too seriously. And let's have fun. Let's build stupid stuff. Let's build creative creative stuff. Let's just go wild. And funny story as well, I actually used to be a comedian. I used to be a musical comedian. And so I guess part of my teaching, part of like the performer in me and the comedian in me likes to just uh, infiltrate my tech work. But, you know, let's just have fun, like, because it's really fun. Tech is really fun when you are building stuff and learning things and making weird websites and doing weird stuff with CSS. Like, that's the bottom line. And it doesn't have to be so serious all the time. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it doesn't. And so I, I, I guess I try to communicate that a little bit as well. And that That's a great message. And I mean, if you look at a lot of the people who are making the funky CSS libraries, they're not serious. You know, like these are the creative people that are degening at one in the morning and like. That's it. Go way past their bedtime. Or yeah, it's the creative minds having fun that where we get all the good stuff. So And as well, you know, tech is. Tech is a lot about problem solving and uh, you need to be creative to solve problems. You need to have different ways to solve problems. You need to experiment with different ways to solve problems. And, uh, you know, a lot of the problem solving is sometimes about just wasting time and messing about and finding different ways to do things. And it's a, it's a big journey. And 
no time is wasted, really. I mean, I I always liken this kind of process to something I learned in music. So when I was doing my music degree, which was in composition, I spent nine years on, not nine years, I spent nine months on a single section of a piece. It was for my third out of four years. And I spent nine months on it. And at the end of those nine months, me and my composition teacher had a chat and he said, no, get rid of that section. And I was like, what? And he said, get rid of that section. It's fine. And it made the piece a hundred times better, but I wouldn't have been able to finish it without going through that nine month journey, but it didn't need to be there anymore. But I learned a lot. And that's a lot of what happens in tech as well. It's not a waste as long as you have the right attitude though. Cause like if you have the attitude of like, oh, I wasted my time, then I mean, yeah, you're not going to like iterate and learn on those last nine months. So it, it comes, it comes with, yeah. You need space for exploration in tech. And I think one of the, one of the difficult parts about working in tech, not in my industry, but when you're working for a product or a company or an agency, one of the difficult parts is not having that time to experiment and play and iterate because of client demands, deadlines, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, you know, I, I used to be a tech lead. I used to uh, work for a variety of different companies before I got into DevRel and developer experience. And uh, one of the most important things that I tried to facilitate in the team was that experimentation time and that playtime and, quote, waste time. And uh, it's it's incredibly important. And I know it's not always like feasible, but it's so crucial to the development of the individual and being able to work with other people and solve problems in a different way. Yeah, and become friends with your coworkers. You're just riffing on stuff like that's the best. Um, I've made some great relationships, bonding over solving weird problems and weird bugs, and that's the kind of uh, relationships that blossom out of difficult times, you know. And relatively, they're not that difficult. It's just a bug. It's just code. But actually, it brings people closer together and the the difficult times you go through. So that's what I love about tech as well. You know, so when I do my live streaming on Twitch, you know, it's, it's real life. It's real development. It's not shiny. It's not polished. It's not prepared. I'm just coding and solving problems and coming up against bugs. And that's what people sometimes, are here for. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. And sometimes I have like over a hundred people in my chat, like pair programming with me, trying to debug and it brings people closer together together and and when we solve the problem it's it's a big celebration and it's great fun and that's one of my favorite things about doing what I do in public to be honest enjoying the podcast consider hitting that follow button for more great episodes so speak like get into the streaming stuff there are so many people out there who say oh I want to stream or I think devrel is a very sort of sought after idea by people like Oh, I can talk to people and I can do this. And but but actually materializing value for people who are involved is like getting there can be difficult. So when you first started, you were mentioning you were a tech leader, right? Yes. Did you jump into the tech lead thing? Did you slowly build up and then when and how did you flip that switch to hop into DevRel? So it was at the beginning of the pandemic. April 2020, when we all started working from home and I was still a tech lead at that point and having that time to reflect on the world around me and not go out to an office and be trapped at my house made me realize that over the years, uh, as I'd 
uh, as I'd developed my tech leadership career, I was doing less and less and less coding. And I was building less and less. I was architecting stuff. I was facilitating team stuff. I was, you know, growing other developers, but I wasn't growing myself as a developer. And that was the sole reason why I got into tech, to code and build things. So I felt like my, my skills were, were wasting away. And uh, at that time, being stuck at home, I discovered that some people were streaming coding on Twitch. And I'd never watched Twitch, but I don't know how I even discovered it. And, and there I was watching programmers on Twitch. But the problem was that most of the people who were streaming, in fact, all of them that I saw at the time, were men and streaming back-end stuff. And I'm a front-end developer and not a man. And so I thought, hmm, I know. I can learn some stuff in public to solve the problem of my tech skills rotting away and also represent other people like me who do front-end who are not men. So that started, I started that in June 2020. So it's just over two years I've been doing it. And actually, that's how I got into DevRel because I was streaming on Twitch. And because of the pandemic, a lot of people who would talk at conferences and go to different events, DevRel had moved online onto Twitch. And through the nature of Twitch raids and sharing community with people, I, I met um, the only other British woman who was streaming development at the time. And through her, I got my first job in developer relations because uh, I knew I wanted to to explore this a little bit more. And so I, I got it through her. And then I got my next job at Netlify through basically being online and learning in public and creating content and, and things like that. So it's, I understand it's a very unique situation. Um, I, I feel like I got a bit lucky, but I did work very hard, but also it's, it shows the power of building relationships in tech and, creating those connections with people who have things in common with you. And um, I guess, you know, my approach of wanting to show representation kind of helped as well, because I feel like as I have spent time in this new industry, uh, I feel like it's got more and more rich and more and more diverse. And I think, I think one of the good things that came out of COVID was this, you know, uh, I got to meet loads and loads more people. I think the industry is growing and diversifying um, to an extent. And um, I'm excited to see what comes next, to be honest. Definitely a great side effect of COVID. If, yeah, if we're being honest, like there's a lot of just culture and hygiene built around like how do we communicate online and effectively communicate that I'm a way better Zoomer than I was like before COVID. So. Funny story as well is that I always thought that I could never work from home. I could never work remotely. I needed the office. I needed to see people. And I work from home now. And I worked from home in my previous job, my first one in developer relations. And actually, I would never go back to an office now. I love this way of life. And it's cheaper. It's better for the environment. It takes less time out of my day. And it's just... I feel very privileged to be in this position and I, you know, I can't forget that, that, you know, I get to just stay at home all day and make fun stuff on the internet. But, you know, there's a lot of tech that goes into it too, but it's, um, like you said before, you know, it is a very kind of coveted, trendy job that a lot of people want to do. But I think 
there's definitely a place for juniors and seniors and, and lots of different people from different walks of life. But I think it's based on technical skills, technical knowledge, technical approaches, problem solving. And so you do need a variety of different skills for DevRel as well. You know, it's about the communication. It's about the performance. It's about being able to relate your content to a wide audience and be able to speak to developers who are at different stages in their career. And, uh, you know, a lot of it is fun, but it's all that's all on the surface. And it's like the the work that goes into creating content by all of these people that are in the spotlight is like a lot. And it's kind of, you know, you can get the Instagram effect in DevRel. It's like everyone's pumping out these blog posts and popping out these YouTube videos and doing all these talks. But like, there's so much that goes into that. And, and it's tough. It's tough to see everybody around you uh, sometimes pumping out all this stuff when you might be in a little bit of a, a content block, like my nine months of writing music when I had to hide myself away and then I actually had nothing really visible to show for it at the end. Like sometimes the, it ebbs and flows and sometimes you have to like hide away for a few weeks or months to really work on a big project or a product feature. Because uh, I do a lot um, at Netlify of... Uh, I work on the product a lot, I guess, with, with other engineers influencing the developer experience. That's like, that's where all my content comes from. All my content comes from working with engineers at Netlify to improve the product for developers. Cause you know, Netlify is a developer's product and, you know, there's a lot that goes into working with developers in the community to be informed about how they're using the product and how they want to use the product. And so it's, it's, a, it's very varied. I, I, I'll give developer relations that it's extremely varied and, and my days can look extremely different um, uh, as the weeks go on, depending on what's going on. And that keeps it exciting. And I'm just extremely, extremely lucky that I just get to learn things as part of my job as well, which is what I've always loved doing. And that's, that's one of the best parts about my job. It's Emily again, producer for Pod Rocket, and I want to talk to you. Yeah, you, the person who's listening but won't stop talking about your new favorite front-end framework to your friends, even though they don't want to hear about it anymore. Well, I do want to hear about it because you're really important to us as a listener. So what do you think of PodRocket? What do you like best? What do you absolutely hate? What's the one thing in the entire world that you want to hear about? Edge computing? Weird little component libraries? How to become a productive developer when your Wi-Fi is out? I don't know. And that's the point. If you get in contact with us, you can rant about how we haven't had your favorite dev advocate on or tell us we're doing great, whatever. And if you do, we'll give you a $25 gift card. That's pretty sweet, right? So reach out to us. Links are in the description. $25 gift card. At Netlify, how do you keep the... Is there like a line between your own personal stuff that you're pumping out to like build your brand and what Netlify needs you to do? Interesting question. Um, so I think one of the key uh, the key parts to developer relations, developer experience is that you need to be authentic. Uh, you you can't be a salesperson because sales doesn't work uh, on developers. You you can't really like attach yourself to marketing 100%, even though kind of that's part of it. Authenticity is a huge part of being effective 
and connecting with people in the community. And so there's blurry lines everywhere. And actually anything that I do do like on my personal domains is still attached to Netlify because I work at Netlify and people will find me and discover I work at Netlify and, and they might discover Netlify through that. And the thing is, if I'm, I, I'm a big believer that if I'm just seen to be pumping out blog posts on Netlify or pumping out Netlify content, I'm blinkering myself and not staying aware of the, the bigger ecosystem. And at the end of the day, Netlify is committed to building a better web. And that includes everything, not just Netlify. So by contributing to open source and by building my own products and projects and by maintaining my own community and my own Twitch stream, that's not technically attached to Netlify because it's still mine. By doing that and building up my credibility, I'm automatically better at my job because of the need for authenticity to work for a company like Netlify. So the lines are blurry. Sometimes I can feel like, oh, I'm doing too much of my own stuff or, oh, I'm doing too much of Netlify stuff. But at the end of the day, they both complement each other and it's about balance. And, you know, there are some things that I write on my personal blog that wouldn't be a good fit for the Netlify blog. So I just publish them on my own domain, yet they still are connected and they still you know, it still matters and it still goes towards like my valuable output. So I know some companies don't think in that same way. And I'm very lucky again to work for a company that like values and sees the value of a personal brand and, and reputation and credibility. So it's, it's always a balancing act. But first and foremost, uh, I was hired at Netlify because of the stuff I was doing as White Panther on Twitch and on YouTube, really. And uh, they wanted that and they wanted me to bring that to Netlify and help enhance the, the output for developers there. So it's it's kind of all connected for better or for worse, but also I think probably more for the better. Right. I mean, it's part of what you said. It's it's the breadth of what is this like person's brand like who are they reaching it's it, if anything they benefit off of having somebody that's like you said authentic they're doing all sorts of different things and it's like oh like oh they're also into netlify okay instant instant like a uh, value <laughs> that person's probably going to go visit it exactly and funny story actually when netlify was first kind of released. Uh, and when I discovered it in like 2017, 2018, I actually thought, oh, I'd love to work to, for Netlify one day. It's like my dream job. But I always had Netlify as like my goal. And it was just very, very lucky that I was able to get a job at Netlify so soon. I thought it would be years. I thought it would be years. So, um, you know, I'm taking that opportunity and trying to make the, make the best of it I can uh, because it sounds really cheesy, but it's kind of like a dream come true. And it's just a job, right? But also Netlify is like at the cutting edge of the, the web, of the front end ecosystem and, and of the technology that I was really, really interested in. And so I kind of, I get to work on the web, which is a weird concept. I get to help inform the future of the web and how developers are developing, which is just mind blowing. It's, I'm just... I don't quite believe it sometimes. Yeah, you're a net. These types of companies, I mean, Netlify, or if we're looking at back end companies, it's like the Red Hat sort of like, where are we moving in this like industry standard sort of way and what we're doing? It must be really, yeah, 
congratulations. I mean, and and the the can thanks and the, the the connections that Netlify has to the rest of the ecosystem as well, such as the framework authors, the framework communities. You know, there are new frameworks coming out all the time, and that the, the ecosystem is thriving with different approaches and something for everyone. And that's also really nice too. I get to meet so many nice people, so many clever people, and I get to learn so much more through doing that as well, which again is why I'm here. So it's win-win. So when you create like uh, videos and they're not live or short videos or like rendered out videos, has your workflow changed a lot through the years? Like have you gotten more efficient, used different softwares? I think this is one thing that if people want to go create content, like if you want to encourage people like, hey, like if you're of like a different like sector of life you're from a different continent like go make videos go make content people are like all right how do i start and it's like there's a mountain of programs and products and and how you kind of get into that so i'd love to hear a little bit about your workflow see there's never enough time in the day week month year to do what i really want to do and and so the biggest uh, change to my workflow has been to repurpose existing content rather than creating new content every time that you want to create something. It's like, okay, so how can I take something from something that already exists? How can I, uh, turn a blog post into a TikTok? or, I mean, my YouTube videos are mainly cut down live streams to try and tell a story and just to tr try to provide a snippet of what happened on the stream, if it's worth it. Most of them are not worth it. Uh, you know, my, my TikToks are stream clips and my Twitter threads are condensed blog posts. So you can create, you know, 10 pieces of content from one piece of content. And that's the biggest change. And uh, I, I, I'm not sure I can recommend workflows to people uh, because everyone is different, but, you know, and, and tools. But I use ScreenFlow uh, for my video editing and my TikTok editing. And um, I do a lot of stuff manually uh, in terms of cross-posting stuff because it's the only real way that I can uh, have some quality control over stuff. I have tried some of those tools where you automatically like upload a Twitch clip somewhere or automatically uh, use an RSS feed to publish something somewhere else, but I like control over the quality and sometimes the quality of those automatic tools aren't, aren't so good because I think quality is a big part of your credibility and your authenticity as well. Uh, but that's my biggest uh, piece of advice is repurpose what you already have and uh, find creative ways to adapt that to other platforms. That's the thing as well. If you want to be successful on multiple platforms or you know, at least get the engagement numbers, you need to make content for that platform. So things such as reposting TikToks to YouTube Shorts doesn't work so well because platforms prefer native content. And that's why I don't just upload my Twitch streams in full to YouTube because they're three, four hours long and they've got all this specific Twitch stuff going on and no one wants to watch that. So I always make sure to try and tailor my content to the specific platform whilst at the same time repurposing it in a different format. Maybe I should write all of this down one day. There's a lot of stuff, I guess, that's in my head. Um, I mean, I'm not like the most successful content creator there is out there, but I have a nice audience and that's all I can ask for, really. I mean, yeah, you could write a manual. There's like, this is a hard problem. 
I think a lot of content creators, if you go to any sort of startup situation, it's what's the workflow and it's a constant like. It's in flux. Yeah, exactly. Um, so any, any, any help you have as a content creator is valuable, even though if you're like, oh, I'm not the best, like it's, it, it's helpful. So ScreenFlow, do you use that to record like your coding sessions? Um, yes, I do. So when I do like proper coding tutorials, mainly for the Netlify channel, I will screen record in ScreenFlow. I will use Audacity to do the voiceover and split it up and, and all sorts, um, it's a really great piece of software, actually. It's really intuitive. It just levels up slightly from uh, iMovie. There's some more cool stuff that you can do on it. Uh, but, you know, before that, I what was I using before that? I think I was using iMovie before that. And I, I don't think maybe I was using anything. But I've tried lots of different tools. I've tried tools that try and do it for you, but they haven't worked for me. Uh, there is a new one coming out. Uh, it's like in, in very early beta, it's called contender and, uh, it's, it takes a talk or a blog post or something and, and it completely repurposes everything. And I'm really keen to try that because I've seen some demos and it's pretty, pretty neat, but I still don't believe that it would, I would be happy with the results, but I'll believe it when I see it. So let's, let's wait and see for that. One last thing that I feel like really matters when I'm talking to you now is, you're a very clear speaker and having a good microphone where people can understand like it's like the last five percent of like the wispy sounds your mouth makes like it makes a huge difference um there's people who maybe aren't at the same like the, they don't speak english as their first language you talk like slowly and people can latch on to what you're saying that that's huge too um even if you're just in a zoom meeting <laughs> just with your coworkers, like having a good mic matters True. Yeah, very true. Um, do you know, funny though, I'm never happy with my microphone sound because I'd love like one of those deep, rich man sounds, <laughs> but like my voice doesn't have that frequency, so it doesn't work. But yeah, it's, it's true. And I guess like the whole teaching, standing up, talking, being, needing to communicate to people clearly because of the assumptions people would make about me by looking at me. I think it's just something I've automatically learned. Uh, but streaming is uh, something that requires a lot of multitasking and a lot of communicating, constantly communicating whilst coding. So I think the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you'll you'll be at it and the more it will come naturally. But yeah, you're, you're right. It's, it's how you communicate and how you speak just as much as what you're saying, I think, to, to enable people to build relationships with you and for, to form connections. And it's funny you say this, but like, I, I always hate what I do because I'm never happy. And so even now I'm like, now I'm like analyzing, Oh, am I speaking correctly now? Like, what am I doing? So, you know, there's a lot of doubt. Uh, but you know, um, the biggest thing I keep in my head is if I can help one person through anything I do, online or in person, if I can just help one person with a bit of content, then I have done something good. So I keep that in my mind whenever I am putting stuff out there that I'm not happy with, or I used to be a huge perfectionist. And I guess I've dialed that down a bit for the sake of productivity. And, uh, you know, if I can help one person, then I'm, I'm happy.
Yeah, feeling your content reaching people is huge. Like that's that's why I feel like most content creators do what you do. It's it feels great to have people say, "I consumed this. I learned something." You know, it's 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 a great feeling. And one of the best feelings I ever had actually was someone came into my stream once and they said, "I did it. I got my first dev job." And the things that you did in this stream really helped me. And I'll never forget that. And it was really nice. And, you know, that that can happen more and more. And as people are learning tech online and speaking to people, and I guess that is an important thing to keep in mind as well. If you are getting into tech and, and if you're trying to learn is that tutorials can only get you so far. And talking to people who are also learning but talking to people who are maybe a little bit more experienced as well is so, so beneficial. And it's very similar to how you solve problems with a team member and, and create those relationships and through those debugging times. And, you know, advice to people out there would be find, try and find some people to talk to any kind of community that shares your interests and you will exponentially grow as a developer. And I think Twitch has been really, really powerful for that over the last few years as live streaming coding has grown since the pandemic started. So if people wanted to watch your live streams, like what is the Twitch name or YouTube channel? So it's twitch.tv slash white panther, which is white P4 nth. 3R. Just substitute the, the A and the E for a four and a three in Panther. And I am White Panther everywhere on the internet as well. Um, Twitter and YouTube and Polywork and, and anywhere. Just Google me, White P4 and 3R. And you have a website as well. Whitepanther.com. That's where um, I try and collect everything together that I do. My blog posts, my events, talks. Uh, videos and you can find out uh, all of my social links from there and my next Twitch stream and everything like that. Is there anything that you're going to be putting out that's you're excited about that people don't know about anything unique coming soon? Currently on my stream, I'm actually building uh, something called WTF, what the framework and it's to solve a problem that I see a lot where people ask me, what front end framework should I use? And before you can answer that, you need to find out a little bit more information about what they're trying to build and what functionality they need to they need from the framework. And so this tool um, is trying to solve that problem by asking a couple of questions based on the type of website that you are building, and then it will recommend you some frameworks based on their features. So I'm hoping that when it's finished, uh, I can just point people to that website where they ask me that question and uh, it, it will help them hopefully. And, and then it hopefully will help people discover some new frameworks that exist that they didn't know about. Cause I've definitely discovered some new ones as I've built it. So uh, what the framework.netlify.app, you can go and see it. It's not finished whatsoever, but I don't care. Uh, and I like to uh, deploy unfinished websites just so people can see that the progress that they take. So go and have a look and, and see how it looks today. <laughs> okay, that's how you know you're still developing. You're like, I want people to see the progress. Go look at it. <laughs> Now's the time. Yeah, go, go and, and tell. <laughs> 
tell me what's wrong with it and uh, let's fix it together on my stream. Well, Salma, thank you for your time coming on and sharing with us about like content creation. I think it's like one of those things that, yeah, it, it's an idea people are really interested in, DevRel and how do I, you know, how do I get there? So hopefully this helps some people and some people can go visit your stuff and learn about what you're doing. Yeah, thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts.